one. Welcome, everybody, to the Chinchilla Pickin Podcast. It is June the 8th, 2022. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and as always, I am here with Brandon Beaver. Brandon, how are you? I'm good. I am doing great. How about you? I am. I'm doing wonderful. I actually uh, had one of those rare experiences as an adult today that I got to take a nap and uh, I am waking up from that. But I've been watching the news and the headlines and get preparing for for our podcast tonight. Um, Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's a good day. I think uh, overall in the markets, uh, most of my uh, investments were a little bit down today. Which is it's fine because I'm not in any day trades right now. I'm not. Do, I haven't done much day trading at all, really. I've been doing more of a continuing to build on my investments I already have slowly and surely. I'm not going all in right away on any of them because, you know, just of the volatility. It's becoming a stock pickers market. Yes, we're getting we're getting yes. this for sure. It's uh, I've been picking up shares of of. Uh, of Zim integrated uh, shipping services. I talked to you about that. It was down today um, with the rest of the market and partially also because the uh, dividend payout was today, which it's a hefty dividend. I, uh, this is one of my knowledge gaps here and I'm going to admit it. Every quarter when a stock pays out a dividend, it often drops almost exactly the amount of the dividend. The percentage amount. This was it, it dropped a little bit more today than that, but um, I understand that the dividend comes from the shareholders' equity, and therefore the shareholders' equity decreases every time a dividend's paid out. And but it is weird that it happens almost exactly the same every quarter. Is it just for Zim that you're seeing this trend? No, it's every stock that pays a heavy dividend. And even sometimes hmm. the uh, the smaller dividends, it does the same thing. The, the, uh, it's always a down day on the dividend payout. You know, it could be after these, uh, after investors have received their payout or held the stock for the payout time that they had to hold before. Yeah, well, yeah that's they what I'm saying. Into it, but you could sell another dividend payout. You could sell on the ex dividend date, which is always before the dividend payout. So, like that was last week, I think the ex dividend date was, but I, I, so I don't, I'm, I'm gonna have to do more research on that. Maybe I'll do a show on it someday. <laughs> you, you and your research, man. I tell you, nobody, I don't know any retail investor that listens to more conference calls than Brandon Beaver. Yeah. And if I'm wrong, please prove me wrong. And a lot of people are gonna look at this and say, well, you know, it's up 33% for the year, 34% for the year. Um, three well, okay, for the three months now it's down, but had quite the run. Why would you buy it? And part of that was that one of my screeners, I like to run price to sales below one. Uh, price to earnings needs to be below 10. This is like around one, also for the price to earnings. So it's a really, really like it's definitely a value stock, but then I also like to look and see what's outperformed the S&P 500 sometimes too, because not only am I getting a value stock, but I'm getting a stock that's revaluing itself upwards and I'm buying into momentum. And that's what happened here with 
ZIM integrated services previous 12 months up 34.69%. So clearly, clearly beating the S&P 500 right now. Um, so it's got momentum trend upwards. I know you talked about how it was mentioned on Wall Street Bets, which I absolutely hate because I don't like that kind of volatility because those are people that are going to buy and sell like fast, you know, that's a huge turnaround. So the beta on that goes like crazy. And I don't like that in my portfolio, but I do like Zim integrated services, record revenue for the last quarter. Um, they're a container company. They are saying right now that this supply chain shortage isn't over and it's not going to rebalance until next year. I mean, I get that uh, the supply chain isn't over, but like, I mean, a lot of companies right now are, are getting plenty of stock in. Some companies saying they're, they're getting over the amount of what they need in, you know, uh, and then Walmart was saying recently that, you know, they get some that they get way too much in, some that they're still waiting on some orders in. And, and it's hit or miss on what's coming in, what's not coming in. That tells me that's it's it's the shipping companies. Some shipping companies are performing well and taking advantage of the high demand and making a profit right now. And other shipping companies are showing their weaknesses. For, for sure. And this is the, the price to earnings ratio being so low and price to sales being so low is partly because the earnings are so high. And it and it's a it's a once in a lifetime kind of thing. This is probably not going to happen again. I knock on wood though, because our lives have already been so crazy uh, with all the macro events that have happened: nine eleven, the housing crash, the COVID crisis, Ukraine, Russia, everything that's happened in our lifetime. You know, maybe I shouldn't say it won't happen again. But but the valuation on this is so low, still so low that it should continue to go higher over the long term. Um, also, and one of the things that they mentioned on their conference calls, that they're not going to take that big of a hit when the supply chain starts to normalize because a lot of companies need to replace their old containers. So <laughs> they're still going to have orders coming in. They've just got aged product that they need to replace. So... So they they're 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 making the moves and they're already planning ahead of time for when a uh, normal supply chain happens and they're already you know I'm sure other companies are as well but it sounds like they're ahead of the game and they're using their profit right now to sustain them for years to come. Right. So talking about inflation, um, it I mean to me it looks like we're probably going to see high inflation through the rest of the year. Has it peaked? There's some <laughs> things that say yes, some things that say no. Um, on the conference call. This was the CFO that said this. He said, turning to market and industry strength and our positive view going forward, by the way, they raised their guidance for the year. Uh, the combination of port congestion and strong demand, especially in the United States, are the underlying factors shaping the strong market we are currently experiencing. So they're admitting that this current situation is the reason why they're making so much money. But port congestion and supply chain disruptions have been a persistent strength on container shipping operations for over a year now. This reality is not expected to be resolved in the near future and will even still go through 2023. So they actually might go past 2023. Um, they are estimating that the long queues of ships waiting outside the port and slower ship turnaround resulted in effective container ship capacity being 17% below its potential last year. The forecast for 2022 is also increased from 12% in March to 15% today. 
and the port congestion to, uh, to absorb 7% operating fleet capacity in 2020. Exports ocean timeliness indicator demonstrates the depth of port congestion. As you can see, the end-to-end -end transport time from the exports location to the port destination on China or to the U.S. groups, which stood about 45 days pre-pandemic, has more than doubled and is currently estimated to be around 103 days. And he says, so you can see the supply chain shortage isn't ending anytime soon. Wow. So according to him, it sounds like the supply chain shortage is not a lack of goods, but rather a lack of longshoremen. Yes. <laughs> so we need more, more truck drivers and longshoremen is what yep. we need. And, you know, that's a high, that's a nice job from what I, from what I'm aware of it, from what people have told me as far as benefits and retirement go, um, you know, they, they should be easy to hire at this point in time. Right. Right. You would think. Well, and now I'm listening to all the conference calls I listen to. I'm hearing more companies now than at any time in the past three years, two years, sorry, in the in the past two years saying that they are retaining employees on a on a pretty good basis. So wage pressures should come down a little bit on inflation. You mentioned overstock. Target mentioned overstock on non-grocery items. They're bringing prices down on those non-grocery items. On the other end of this, Campbell Soup says they're raising prices through 2023. Go ahead, Dave. All right. So a couple of things here. There's three three topics that we've hit on, and I want to I want to talk about all three. You know, you have inflation, you have Target, you're right, and uh, I, I can't remember the third one now. You you yeah uh, you, you covered too many too fast, and I didn't I didn't I'm get a chance to talk about it. Inflation. Um, Job. Oh, yeah. Jobs. Yeah, People yeah. Uh, maintaining uh, employees. All right. So I want to talk about those three things. But first, I want to talk about inflation. Um, you, you, you brought it up and, you know, a lot of people are saying, OK, it seems like uh, from what Zim's saying is that, you know, we may be getting over the hurdle of this. I don't know if I heard you wrong or not. Uh, we no, have no, that the hurdle of the supply chain effect is still going to happen through 2023. According OK, to yeah, the hurt of the supply chain, but inflation. We have the consumer price numbers coming out Friday for May. Yeah. So if that's coming out and saying that we had high inflation, then we're still going to have high inflation. It's going to continue. We, you know, what we're looking for is, is, is either a drop or maybe a no more rising. No more rising. No would more be rising. Nice. So we, we, uh, we talked about this a little bit after the show last week. Inflation is likely not to come down, not going to come down until most people look at their bank accounts and see that all the extra stimulus money is gone and they're now broke. And now they can't spend on going out. They can't spend on the higher, you know, priced items. They have to switch their uh, their behaviors. They're going to have to start buying the the uh, Campbell soup, which some people already are, according to the CEO on their conference call. Um, they're going to have to go to the discount brands. They're going to have to. Um, they're going to have to tighten their, their wallets and then prices are going to have to come down after that. And that's when we'll see inflation peak and inflation, you know, start to reverse and become deflation when people have gotten rid of all of that stimulus money. And when GameStop is $5, <laughs> I know you like adding that GameStop when $5 is, but 
the the point I, I believe you're trying to make for everybody that's listening is what uh, yes we do need people to stop buying non-discretionary items as much because that slows down the economy but we don't we don't want to just do it unnaturally we want people to happen naturally that's what the fed wants is that's, that's why they're raising rates they're trying to make things more expensive so that you don't go out there and buy them so much so that the economy will slow down so that inflation will come down that's how that's how the the, the economy business cycle works right um, and what Brandon's talking about as far as in relation to his, I mean, it was, it's a hyperbole point you're making, but uh, with uh, GameStop is that you're, you know, all the people who had all this extra money in the stock market and equities, retail investors and other companies, you know, they're no longer just uh, throwing the money out there because everything's gold. You know, they've, they're now moved out of the system. It's now just the true investors. It's now just the real, the, the, the companies with with their funds and, and the, you know, looking for value investing actually on, you know, microeconomic news fundamentals back to real investing. I hope it was before COVID and pandemic. I mean, there was some micro investing and day trading going on then, too, but it wasn't as high as it was pre pandemic. That's what Brandon's talking about is yeah. weeding out some of these. And I believe a weed out needs to be done. I mean, you, uh, I believe that a weed out needs to be done in lots of sectors. But I think, Brandon, what's going to have the biggest effect is that there's a huge weed out in the cryptocurrency sector. Yeah. Well, they need about 70. To survive. Ethereum will probably survive. Yeah. They, they need about 60 to 70% of the cryptocurrencies just to go away. Yeah. Just to disappear and go away. Yeah. That's what happens with all new industries. I've talked about this before, so I don't want to kind of repeat myself. But <laughs> you get new industries, all these companies pop, uh, you know, pop up chasing the gold. Yep, yep. The tide recedes, and I'm going to quote Warren Buffett here. The tide recedes, and you see who's swimming naked. <laughs> there you go, right? Yeah. So, I mean, as, as far as inflation goes, you know, yes, yes, we do need to weed out some more. We do need uh, higher in, uh, interest rates. And the Fed has said they're going to raise interest rates in June. They're going to raise them in July. They have said they will raise them, that that's a, that's a certainty. So we could, we could guarantee we're looking forward to that. And I believe that by them doing that, you know, by, you know, in the summer, you should see the economy slow down. I mean, with rates going up, going up that much yeah. for two months in a row. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to make borrowing harder. You're already starting to see a decrease in mortgage demands. So that that's our, the housing sector is already starting to slow and, you know, slow its burn. Um, other things will follow, you know, and pricing is a lagging indicator. It always has been. So eventually the prices will come down, but unfortunately it won't come down until after you're broke. Not you, Dave. After I'm yeah, general, yes. I'm talking in general to the people. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, so if you're a smart person right now, you'd be buying uh, stocks at this at these prices, building your investments, you, or you know, even just saving money at building a savings account ready for when the economy does yeah. uh, slow down. And interesting enough, what's not a lagging indicator? What comes before that usually is the stock market rises again. Stock market will bottom, and then it will start to rise before the rest of the economy does. It's That's, three months. They, they say it's an average of three months trailing that the economy at that quote unquote main street feels it after the stock market has felt it. Yeah. But if we do have a recession, I talked about not buying companies like Target, not buying companies that have these small net margins um, a few months ago. But maybe you could start doing that now. You start buying the household brand names. And the reason why I say that 
is because if we do have a recession and inflation cools and, and then on the other end of that's deflation and prices start coming down, prices will come down because people can't afford anything. But what they'll start doing is they'll go out and buy more of the Campbell soup, more of the ramen noodles and more of the discount items. Maybe even Kroger will be a beneficiary of this because they have so many off-brand items at their store, you know. They'll start buying these off-brand items. So you can look for these stocks that have these tiny net margins. And then, you, but you kind of got to make sure that they're going to hold up, you know. So you want the big brain names that everybody knows. And when you go out that you, you specifically are going to Target because you know Target. Go ahead, Dave. No, I, I hear what you're saying about Target, right? And so I've read a number of articles recently on Target and I've done a little bit of research on it. And I know you mentioned it when we get together before the show. And, you know, I have to say, Target has come out and said that their profit margins have been lowered. This yeah. was just in the past week they we said knew that was going to happen. And I said the same thing about Walmart back in January, too. Yeah, but Walmart had a bigger profit margin to begin with. Yeah. Target didn't have as big as profit margin as Walmart. Um, I believe it was the operating profit margin. I, I believe I, I'm going off the top of my head here was at two to three percent now. Yeah, yeah well, net margins and, around the same, well, a little bit less than two, I think. And I mean, and that's not much, especially if you're having to cut cut, uh, cut the prices on certain items because you have an abundance of an yes, inventory yeah. and it's costing you money to store it. They're telling they actually are, are telling their supply chain. This is Target, and again, this is off the articles I've read this past week. They are telling people in their uh, parts in their supply chain to just hold onto that cargo container and store it somewhere for us. And when we need it, we'll call for it. Wow. And that I mean, Target's not in a good position right now. They really need consumers to come in. Um, I. <laughs> So not- I don't know. I don't. So I'm. I, I don't know if Target is. I. I don't believe that they're in a good position. I think they need to reevaluate a number of the inventory, supply chain, pricing issues within the company, before I would feel comfortable uh, even beginning to p- put the idea out that that's a, an investment idea. So I disagree with you on that. I. I, no, I say so no. Like, it's a sell. It's a sell for me. Let me say this. I don't know if it's a buy or sell because I haven't looked at Target's uh, price to sales and price to earnings and all that recently. I was just bringing them up because they were in the news and they reported their earnings and had the, the margin shrinkage that I knew I knew was coming. And then you had the um, the um, the the news about the prices coming down. And, you know, maybe that may, maybe, you know, other organizations are going to do that and that's going to weigh on inflation. And, but, but the point is, is that when people having to start having to pinch, you know, pinch their wallets and go bargain hunting, those companies that are able to hang on to those thin net margins might see more volume and sales to make up for it because all of a sudden now people aren't going to Whole Foods anymore, they're shopping at Kroger and looking for the uh, off brands, you know. I don't know, does it, or, or maybe they're even going to Audi. I don't think Audi has a stock, but, but yeah, I, the point, I, they're looking for the off brands, they're looking for the discounts, and those discounters that are able to hang on to that net margin if we have a recession. Campbell Soup outperformed in 2008, for example, because people went bargain hunting. And Campbell Soup was able to hold on to a tiny smidgen of a margin there. And then when deflation hit, everybody started looking for that bargain and people started stocking up on things like Campbell Soup and Robin Noodles and all that. And by the way, Dave, if you don't remember that, Pepperidge Farm remembers. 
<laughs> soup by them, I had to say it. <laughs> they make they make pepperidge form. Okay. Yes, yes. Um, I uh, but I also like the History Channel on uh, Pepperidge Farm and Campbell's Soup and all those uh, foods that built America. Anyways, um, I love foods that built America. I've a, watched it probably three times the whole series. Uh, um, but yes, yes, you are correct. In times like that, people do reach out for those uh, bargain brands and bargain shopping, which is why I believe Walmart's actually better positioned than Target to really uh, play on that. Yeah, I, I believe the price, the prices are better on food. Um, I'm not saying that the food's better, but the prices are better. And Walmart's doesn't have to lower prices because their prices are already low. Yeah. You know, I, I, I believe Walmart's better positioned. And if I'm going to buy anything, I'm going to buy Walmart, man. Right. So you, you're going to go looking for the discounts in the market right now. You want the price to sales to be low, nothing above five. If you're paying above price uh, above five right now in this market, you're, you're throwing your money in a toilet and flushing it down. But, so price to sales needs to definitely be below five as close to one, if not below would be great. Price to earnings below 10, things like that. Unless you got an Amazon or an NVIDIA that can outgrow like everybody. Yep. Amazon, I think is a good, it's actually a good buy right now because of a recent pullback in the stock. I believe now it offers an opportunity to get in and and hold it for a uh, long-term investment there. And if you have some extra money, throw it in there. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, that, 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 that's where I'm at. What was the last thing was jobs? That was the last uh, point that I said we want to talk about. Why are employers able to keep on to employees better right now? Here's my thought, Brandon. Tell me if you, if you agree, disagree, what you think of my thought here. All right. So all these big companies came out recently in the past two months, and they said we have a hiring freeze uh, going on for our, our either a whole company or just corporate headquarters or what have you. But there's hiring freezes in place. A lot of other companies have come out and said that we are cutting jobs. So what you had in uh, last year and uh, last half of the year before that was you had a lot of jobs where you could go out and you could find a nice six-figure corporate job or a decent, you know, medium household income job very easily at some of these big companies working these, these uh, work from home jobs or some of these other comp- uh, kind of jobs, but you had that very easily. And so you had the great resignation and people just leaving to go and find the, the company they prefer to work for and going back and forth looking for jobs. Now with all these companies on hiring freezes, job cuts, so on and so forth. Those kind of jobs that I'm talking about, the 100K plus, the the nice corporate medium household income uh, jobs are no longer as readily available as they were. And now they have to either stay in the position they're at or settle for one of the other jobs that are readily available, such as a server or uh, uh, an hourly wage job, not a salary job. There are uh, um, Those options are still available, but most people, I believe, are just willing to stay in where they have settled in right now. What do you think? I'll give, I'll give you two reasons. Number one, gas is at $5 a gallon, and it's been sustainably near that for a while. Uh, number two, the stay-at-home economy went through something very similar to the dot-com bubble. We all got way ahead of ourselves, and we all thought that the stay-at-home economy was going to be you know, so incredibly big and, and even we're the new normal, we were calling it. And now that we're 
getting back to normal worldwide, and we've been back to normal for a while now in the United States, look what's happened to Zoom. Look what's happened to all these stay-at-home stocks because it's not what we thought it was. It may be in 10 years, and it's, it's certainly not going away. There's still going to be a lot of people working from home in this economy. It's just not going to be as big as we thought it was, and we know that now. It's starting to it's starting to make more sense that these stay-at-home stocks and, and companies that everybody thought were going to stick around and we're all going to be like the greatest, most profitable companies in the next 10 years. Not so much. Yep. And so you think, but I mean, what does that have to do with everyday jobs? So that's what does that have to do with, uh, with employees holding on to, uh, I mean, uh, employers holding on to employees better. A lot of tech companies are not hiring anymore. Um, they have, they have stopped their hiring. They've done hiring freezes as you and I both know. So, people so you, you agree with out. everything I just said then, right? I, yes, I agree a hundred percent with everything you just said, because those jobs aren't available the way that they were three to four months ago. In some cases are not at all. And it's a crazy to me to think, and maybe it's because I've been, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, at my age, uh, but it's crazy to me to think that people actually believed that that was the way it was going to be always that yep. you can always, you're always going to be able to find another better job very easily. And I'm like, that's not how business cycles and economic cycles work, man. Yeah. You're yeah. Enjoy this moment in time because it's great for the employee. Enjoy it. Find the job you likes, you know, land it. But like, it's not always that way. Yeah. That's why when I left my former employer, when I left and I got a severance and all that, I got money in the bank from that severance, but I was not going to go through that money. I was like, I need to find a job now while the getting's good because that tide's going to turn. I know it will. We're not all that lucky. Yep. I, I knew oh, it yeah. was going to happen. So I, I found a job as, as fast as I could in that environment. Um, I wasn't going to wait because you know it's going to happen. And $5 a gallon is what's doing it too. It's eating up people's stimmies. It's eating up those stimulus people, checks they got. I don't think anyone still has their stimulus left i think everybody spent it you know what would solve if we all woke up tomorrow morning and decided to be fiscally conscious and just save the money we have and realize that you don't unfortunately you don't need the alienware laptop you don't need the best of the best anymore you can bargain hunt and you can save that cash then we would put a cap on inflation tomorrow but it's not gonna that, I mean, that's not America, man. I mean, that's why you have Apple announcing that they have a, uh, a now pay, uh, buy now, pay later uh, program that they, they're running to compete with a firm, to compete with PayPal, to compete with these other companies. I mean, it, when Apple comes out with it, you know, okay, this is now something that we're always going to have. Yeah. You know, everybody's going into this uh, buy now, pay later because we don't, I don't, you know, average joke uh, consumer doesn't have the $800 necessary to buy whatever they want. So they got to use Apple's payment program in order to get it. I'm like, come on, man. If you don't got the money, you shouldn't be getting it. You know, I mean, I don't know, Brandon, maybe I'm old school, very old school on this, on this type of thing. But I mean, that could also be the reason why I don't have any debt. So, I mean, (laughs) come on. (laughs) I, you know what? I was in Best Buy when I was shopping for this new laptop here. I was at Best Buy and I had to have my girlfriend pull me away from like an eight thousand dollar TV. I think it was like eight K or ten K or whatever. 
it was like the best thing I've ever seen in my life. But I'm so glad she did because <laughs> I'd rather have the money in my account, you know. Right. Even with inflation running as hot as it, as it is right now, you know, on the other side of this, prices are going to come back down again. So save your money, folks. Don't buy GameStop. Save, yeah. You know, save your money. Don't, don't buy GameStop. <laughs> right. All right. What else you got for us, Brandon? Because I got a couple of topics if you don't. That's all I've got. All right. So let's go into mine. I told you I was going to go ahead and mention this to you, and I was going to ask what your opinion on it because you've been very vocal about bonds, and you've been very vocal about yields. Uh, so I did give you some of a heads up, so I hope you're ready. Uh, I'm going to cover where the bond U.S. Treasury bond yields are sitting right now the, at the second. The three-year is at 2.96. The five-year is over 3%. The 10-year is over 3%. And, of course, 20, 30, 30 years are always over 3%. So with bond yields going up, you're the bond guy on the show. How does that affect the market, and what do you believe is causing it? It makes borrowing harder for uh, startups, for sure, because they can't sell their uh, bonds to the market and um, pay out you know, next to nothing for them. So it definitely makes borrowing harder. 3% is still historically low. But compared to where we came from, it's exceptionally high. So, um, and then just last last week, bond yields were going down. So I think a lot of this, honestly, is just speculation in the bond market. Because last week, it seemed like they were betting on deflation coming. And this, this week, it seems like they're betting on inflation increasing. So I, I really feel like a lot of it's just speculation. Um, we use the bond market a lot to predict what's going to happen because of, of its ties to uh, companies that have to sell bonds to, to get through their daily operations. Um, but it's not always that predictable. You know, a, a, a move from 2.9 to 3.05 or whatever percent, it may not seem like it's a large move but it's a high percentage move. It's it's actually a, a very large move. That's a fast, fast move. So, and when you see ha- that kind of volatility in any market, it, it makes me think either you have large sellers, people that are, are, are selling out as fast as possible, some, some big organization or pension fund like the Japanese pension fund I talked about last year move, is moving this market or a lot of people are speculating. So, I, I honestly, right now, I would go with the speculation part. I think there's a lot of fear in the market right now. And so it's going back and forth between are we going to have inflation or are we going to have deflation? Has inflation peaked or is it not? Um, and as of today, it seems like they were thinking not. Yeah, and I, I agree with you. I think it's more speculation than anything, but... You know, I, I believe it's speculation to rise in rates. I believe it's speculation to recession. I believe it's speculation, like you said, are where we at with inflation. I believe it is all speculation. Um, you know, I mean, could it have something to do with the U.S. government stopping their, well, tapering oh, sure. right now, sure. tapering their bond that, buying. You know, that, that, that's probably the big whale. They're moving you know, all, their, all of their money out of the mortgage-backed securities and, and the bonds and the treasuries right now which I've been crying. I've been yelling uh, for them to do for a while now because they needed to, but yeah, yeah. I think that I think has a lot to do with it. Um, And I think the, the lower uh, what's the word I'm looking for. I'm going brain dead here on the show. 
live on his radio. Here we go. Um, l- lower mortgage buyers, lower uh, home buying is uh, has to do with the uh, U.S. government stopping their uh, purchasing every single month, and then sure. rates rates are going up. You take those two things together, you know. Now companies are like PNC Bank, Fifth Third Bank, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase Bank. Bank of America are not going to be as willing to give out loans to just anybody because now you don't have the government buying uh, buying those mortgages. You got higher rates. Can these people afford these rates now? So it's going to be it's going to be a tougher market. You're going to see fewer people, and I, I believe all in all, it is a, a bunch of speculation. It is. And home prices are going to come down. Once home prices come down, then that'll even it out a little bit. You know. Yep. All right. The other uh, some other news I wanted to talk with Brandon with you about was the SEC chief coming out swinging today against people who do the payment for order flow Um, swinging uh, this week. uh, Talking about new regulations, how they want to regulate the stock trading uh, platforms going forward. Um, Again, I don't like when the government uh, starts trying to find up, create new regulations for any kind of uh, sector of the economy. I don't like it. I, I, I'm against it. I'm uh, definitely uh, more free enterprise in that, in that regard, but we have to pay attention because it can affect the stocks we own. I'm smoking a menthol cigarette right now. Oh my goodness. <laughs> yes. So, um, so uh, this, this, this can affect the stocks we own, but the stocks that are going to be hit the hardest if they go ahead and move away from payment for order flow, it's going to be Robinhood. They will probably cease to exist, but we've already covered that many times. I don't want to cover that again. Um, you can make a comment if you want to, uh, when I turn the mic over to you, but my main question is how will this affect other companies that do payment to order flow, such as TD Ameritrade or Charles Schwab? TD Ameritrade, I mean, it's going to hurt everybody because it's going to take customers away. Retail will be cut in half. And when I say retail, I mean the retail stock traders, not the industry. The retail stock traders, everyday stock traders who aren't a part of institutions like you and me and and the listeners here. But I would hold on. But but who will stick around? I think TD Ameritrade will stick around. I wouldn't have my money in it if I didn't think it would. Um, It was around prior to this. And I, I don't think that they've, they've uh, i mean they've shifted pretty far in, into payment for order flow but i think they could shift back and and you could still do it at a discounted rate gotcha gotcha and you know you, i mean you talk about uh stock traders like you and i you know i brandon i you know we remember the scott trade days where we yeah. were paying per trade yeah you know i mean so we you know we were around then and we were just, you know, starting off, not not really. We're in the beginning stages of our stock trading. Uh, when I when I first met you back in 2009, I mean, I I I wasn't, you know, as well off as as I'm doing now. But like, you know, I was still able to afford that that seven dollar per trade fee. You know, you just had to you just had to manage your returns. Yeah, and you had to buy more stock because you didn't. It didn't make any sense to buy one share of a $5, $10 stock or whatever with an extra $7 to buy it. And then an extra dollar, $7 tacked on to sell it. That didn't make any sense. Right. Yep. You can go on Robinhood or TD Ameritrade right now. You can buy one share, two shares, and it makes sense to do so. But when it's increasing your, your average by, you know, like 20, 30, 40%, 
just to buy because you're paying the commission, then it doesn't make any sense to buy one share. You have to buy, you know, multiple shares to make it make sense. Now, I would argue, I would argue, Brandon, it kept a lot of people out of the market that really um, didn't have the experience or, or the, 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 the ability to control their finances in a way to where they could save up enough money to make decent returns, you know. And then it kept some people in the market too, because once you bought it, you wanted to hold it to get your cost average back up. Exactly. Right. So people weren't trying to buy and sell for the next minute, this minute, that minute, unless you had enough of your uh, cash on hand in order to make those trades. Right. Exactly. And, you know, if you're an everyday average trader and you're thinking about selling a stock, but you know, it's going to cost you seven bucks, you're going to think twice about it. Right. And so I, I don't know if that, that was better or, or worse. I mean, right now you have more opportunity for everybody to enter the market because um, Joe off the street could come in with their job and start putting 50 bucks a paycheck in and start building a position very easily. But, you know, if, if we take away payment for order flow, Joe off the street may not be able to. He has to save up that 50 bucks and every time until he's got $1,000. And now all of a sudden he could start doing some kind of returns. Yeah. And then you're buying one share of a stock at that point, but (laughs) right. Instead of multiple, but, and and in that way, I think it's a good thing to have payment for order flow because with a thousand dollars, you can diversify right now when in the past you couldn't. No, you couldn't. Yeah. Not at all. I mean, you, you couldn't at all. I mean, everyone I talked to back in the day, uh, I was like, yeah, you trade stock. I'm like, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, how much I need to get started? I was always like, man, you got to have at least a thousand because you got to cover these fees. Yeah. You know, and I, I would have to tell people that. And some people were like, oh, I, I can't ever save up that kind of money. And I'm like, yes, you can. In, in my head, I kind of thought like, that's kind of good that you don't want to trade stock because you don't have the ability to save up that kind of money. You know, you got to you know, put your to it. Yeah. You, you got to make a decision. You know what? I was, I was paying for an apartment. I, it was rent. I was making like $9 and 50 cents an hour, which bought more, a lot, a lot more back in 2009 than it did today uh, or 2008. So I was, I was uh, not making much money and I was paying rent. I still afforded a three month trip to South Korea. Took me a year to do it, <laughs> but in, in a lot of ramen noodles eating and, and hard boiled eggs, but I did it, you know? So if I could do that, you for sure can save up a thousand bucks because it cost me more than a thousand bucks to do a three month trip to South Korea. Right. But I mean, it means you have to have some self-control and having that self-control is important. I've talked about it many times. It's so so important in in stock trading in a lot of areas. That way you don't go chasing, uh, chasing the rabbit as it go chasing the dragon, as you call it, uh, when the stocks start rising up and you think, oh, it's going to continue rising up. But let me buy it now. Well, no, it just gapped up. Why are you buying it now? Yeah. Um, you, you, buy, you don't buy it after it just gapped up unless you honestly believe it's going to continue going higher. You know, it's some self-control is good. And, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Payment for order flow, SEC chief saying that, you know, that, that's one of the ways they're going to crack down on there. They're going to scrutinize a lot of different uh, areas here. They they really want to kind of weed out some of these uh, retail investors is what I'm reading, which I don't like that, that that's kind of where they're targeting. They really want to weed out the competition for the big banks. That's really what they're trying to do. When you're buying from somebody, you're competing with a seller. And when yep. you're selling to somebody, you're competing. Well, not all the time, but, you know, because you can buy a stock 
and maybe the person before you made money on it. Now you're going to make money too, but, but that's, that's how they see it. They see you as competition. And so there's a lot of money that goes into government that, that goes into lobbying from uh, big banks and, and stuff. I'm not going to name anybody because I don't have any examples currently right now, but this is just my feeling on it, that they don't like us being in the market. They don't like the listeners being in the market right now. They didn't like the fact that the listeners of this, of this show and, and that the, the retail traders beat them to the airlines in 2020. Yep. They're very upset about that. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But right now I, I don't have any calls this week, man. I really don't. Um, I, I just want to say, just, you know, continue to slowly add. If you have, if you have like, say you're working with your total balance sheet of 20,000 and you have a thousand still in cash, I don't, I wouldn't say put it all in right now. I say put, you know, hundred in each week and, you know, build your positions carefully and selectively of how you do it. If that's what, if that's the kind of um, ratio you're working with, um, that's what I would recommend um, and, and build your positions because this is going to continue to go high, uh, down for a little bit. You're going to have some downward headwinds before it turns around and goes up. Right. It's going to be, it's going to continue to be a tough year, but if you're doing it right, then you don't care. Right. And you called that at the beginning of this year, Brandon, you did, you came out and you were bold. I was like, Whoa, Whoa. Hey, but oh, you know, it's the rally. We were like close to all time highs in February. I mean, we got a Santa Claus rally and I yeah. sold into it. Yeah. You were a smart one. You were the smart one. Anyways, fine. Any other final thoughts, Brandon, from you? That's all I got. Well, look at that, man. Short and quick from Brandon. Especially on the day we talked about bonds. Um, <laughs> all right, guys. Well, uh, we thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, please hit the subscribe button and reach out and let other people know about us. As always, we hope to be entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night.